1: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
0: Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the offense from the Rams game. In Week 17, the Ravens' fifth straight loss. Here to talk about with me is Gabe Ferguson. Gabe, how you doing, my friend?
2: Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me on once again. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, you know, looking forward to breaking down this game with you.
0: All right, me too. Uh, getting to the end of a, a, a very difficult season to watch. Another close game. The Ravens lost there, didn't lose. But they played their sixth game, decided by two points or less, which ties the all-time record uh, with, among others, the 1997 Ravens uh 1970 chargers did it in only 14 games but they did it with no overtime and had three ties that year so interesting enough the shorter season comes with an asterisk there but but a lot of close games here for the for this ravens team we've had that before in past years never never like this not really so uh another tough one to watch a tough loss to watch with the playoffs again uh hanging in the balance on this one uh where are you in terms of uh, what happened in the red zone in this game?
2: I mean, it, it was it was tough. It was it was something that has been a struggle, I think, throughout a large part of the season. They have they haven't had the red zone efficiency that's been there in previous years. Um, but this game, it was you know more apparent than ever. Getting inside the five yard line or to the five yard line twice and being unable to score it's it's tough to swallow, especially when they were you know moving the ball pretty decently between the, you know, the 20s um, in this game. I mean, it wasn't like it was up and down the field every single drive, but it was, it was definitely better.
0: Yeah, In one case, it was actually between the four and the four, I think. <laughs> it was they they yeah. were moving the ball effectively. So, yeah, they, they really did have some success moving the ball up the field. Um, I'm, I'm not happy with the way the offense has generally been run as a short passing game. Now, obviously, they felt like there was no alternative against the Rams' pass rush. So, you know, sometimes you have reads that go long to short. Sometimes you have them short to long and you sometimes mix that up. Of course, by play, I felt like just about everything they ran in this game was Andrews to short to long. And they really didn't get very many long opportunities at all.
2: Yeah, it seems like that's definitely been ingrained in Huntley. It's um, look at Andrews, see if you can you can get him on, on the, you know, up the seam or on a short short curl, and if it's not there, then go to your check down. Go to the second read op- option. And, and it's, it's definitely taking away that um, explosive ball that we had earlier in the season. Um, even, even I think when Huntley came in earlier, maybe his first game or two you know he was slinging the ball a little bit especially in that Browns game he he had a number of deep completions right it's just not been there I, I think and it's um, I think you're right you know it's it's a trust issue with the offense I think it's also a trust issue with Huntley to kind of not give him too much on his plate and kind of give him and simple down the offense for him to make it easier for him
0: a yeah, trust trust issue between Huntley and the offensive line a lot too and and uh yeah, they haven't really earned that trust. I mean, the the, the tackle play has been very poor. Uh, Villanueva a little bit better in this game, but uh, Huntley's been running for his life since he took over, and he's been sacked a lot. Uh, he's made some bad decisions with the football, and he hasn't been real careful in the pocket. Uh, I think some of the silliness we've heard in recent years has been kind of, bo- recent weeks, I should say, has been really bothering about Huntley is better than Lamar. I mean, the difference is night and day, folks. They are, they, are, they are similar styles of quarterback, and there are ways that you know Huntley gets rid of the ball quicker usually as a matter of survival as opposed to a matter of it's really the better thing for the offense.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think some of that comes from the fact that Lamar had a, a pretty poor stretch of games leading up to when Huntley came mm-hmm. in, and a lot of it you know when you look at the film you could see him holding onto the ball too long at times and, and trying to make something happen and then you, and Huntley comes in and he kind of does the exact opposite you know he just like sees it and throws it um and it helped the offense at times to look more cohesive to kind of keep the chain moving um but in the end it's a limitation too and I think that's what we're being to see right within the past couple of games.
0: Yeah, if if the If the defense have, if believes that they have to defend the entire field and i don 't think they 've yet capitulated to the notion that they can only they can only defend a shallow shell of the field against Huntley you know then then you know if they believe that then you 're going to be more effective moving the ball exactly where the Ravens have between the twenties short passes, lots of slants, lots of over the middle stuff. Uh, you know and not really taking those deep deep throws really anywhere down the field but certainly not deep down the sideline or or really some of those deep post patterns uh, you see it just it's not an offense right now that's made it all for vertical routes
2: yeah and like like you said even those kind of like intermediate routes they, they, unless it's Andrews they just don't seem to be there mm-hmm. like uh, like the throws at Stafford was really destroying the Ravens with was yeah. those in crossers 15 20 yards down the field um, they're open pretty often against what the Ravens see um, and they're just not either having time to throw them or it's not an option in the passing offense that we have right now Um, I think you know it could be something that the Ravens could succeed at um, if they had more faith in their offensive line if they had more faith in Huntley but frankly it's just I guess it's not something that they really think they can attack defenses with Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: any belief you will see Jackson for week 18
2: not not to me I, i I mean, from some of the recent information that's come out, it looks like the outcome is already going to be decided by the time that Chargers Raiders game happens. Um, so there's probably even, even the small percentage chance that the Colts would lose to the Jaguars. Um, it, it would then become that much harder um, considering the fact that the Raiders would also not need to win that game. So it, it, it's really difficult um, to see a way in which um, the Ravens will get into the playoffs. So it's, Unlikely that um, they're going to put Lamar in unless he's 100, and it seems like there's no way that he's going to be 100 percent based off of what we saw from him in practice. You know, over the past week or two, he's clearly in in some pain and discomfort, and there's no point in, in risking anything with him at this point.
0: I agree. For the for the very slim chance, it's very much not worth it. So I don't expect to see him. Um, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about Huntley's limitations. I don't want to beat on that, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about him later and what his opportunity set was because I think that's an important, you know, context point to, to discuss here because it wasn't good in this game. Um, the difference is not just, though, in the passing game and how they approach the, the short pass, how they make their reads, you know, one, two, three how they you know read Andrews and go short or, or read short to long or whatever. It's, it's also in the mesh. I mean, the, the, the mesh is completely different when it's Jackson versus the other two. And you see it in the reads. Huntley's reads are just not as good as Jackson's reads. I don't expect that to be true. But the other thing is Jackson really forces longer reads from his back. So I think Huntley might be afraid to pull the ball as late as Jackson often does. And Jackson's waiting for that guy to get on that other foot. And, and, you know, watching as we might watch film one frame at a time, if we're looking for one particular thing off the line of scrimmage and have the ability to do that with our DVRs, Jackson almost has that ability in real life to, to, to make his selection point at the most inopportune time for that defender. And that's what I, what I mean when I'm saying he reads leverage extremely well. I and mean, it's like Muhammad Ali, you know, he knew when the punch was coming. And, you know, if if the fighter is at all slow and, if, you know, older, younger folks here probably have not seen the Liston-Ali fight. Watch that fight is what I'll tell you. It was in 1964. It's when Ali first won the heavyweight title. And Ali is just incredibly quick. It's like watching Aaron Donald play a high school offensive lineman in terms of relative, you know, qu- quickness of the players. <laughs> and he's he was a remarkable athlete lamar gives you that out of the mesh and honestly that's what what the ravens don't have now they've got other problems at running back but uh but the mesh plays are just it's a it's a completely different animal in terms of what the ravens have in a run game with these two quarterbacks
2: yeah and and there, there's a reason why the mesh play has been effective with with other quarterbacks in that in the nfl like other athletic quarterbacks who can you know take advantage of their legs um it, it really puts the defense in a bind it, it a lot of times it forces them to commit an extra defender um, to take away the, the alley, um, without that, it, it just removes a threat on the, on the offense. And it's frankly, it's something that the Ravens don't really even use very often. I think you might see it at, like three to four times a game, A true like read play. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately right. the, one of the, one of the times they used it was in that, was it the second and goal play from the, from the two, they had like an RPO where, where Huntley was, was reading the, the outside linebacker. And, um, i have issues with that play design and in that place um but he just didn't he i mean he, i think he read it correctly but it, it's probably the worst possible place to have that play call because it, it's putting so much right. on that one decision um, and if anything else goes wrong with it, it it's going to end poorly as it, as it did in this game
0: the ball can get on the ground pretty easily. I, I don't have any problem going to the mesh if it's a pure fake. If it's purely done for misdirection in that place, I'm fine with it. But, I, I, you know, we heard that a little bit from the announcers in the Colts game. And I don't remember who was calling the game. But he said, you know, I wouldn't do anything that's going to risk the ball coming out. And, and it was just at that exact point. It's like five-yard line. Ravens were going for the tying score. and, and the, Or, or it, might have been the goal, it might have been the winning score in overtime. I'm not sure which one it was, actually. But he said, I wouldn't do anything to put the football on the ground here. I'd make sure that the, you know, this is a, a straight handoff uh, and not, not anything else. But yeah, I agree. There's, uh, you know, you, there's times for the mesh and there's times not. It's very dangerous when you have a lot of field left. It's, it's probably less dangerous and only really valuable for its misdirection component. Uh, and, and that could be run or pass. It could be misdirection on the run, and then a pass. Get the get the linebacker take an extra read step. Not necessarily a bad thing because they're a significant component of goal line pass defense, as well. But you need to you need to have something else rather than your regular, you know, slower developing mesh play there. Uh, one of the things we're really seeing is a massive underutilization of the of the wide receivers with Huntley in there. This was this was true of Johnson, probably to a slightly lesser degree. But he was also playing a very fast-paced offense. The thing I liked about Johnson was the ability to play the no huddle.
2: Yeah, I I think um, one of the things that I've seen is, is like we talked about, you know, Huntley's throws outside the numbers are always short. Um, I mean, I think there was one throw that was deep down the sideline to Bateman in this one, Um, but you're not really seeing speed used in this offense anymore i mean Mar- marquise brown we, we see more kind of jet motion from him than true like deep right. threats um it's i think he's being used more as um as a decoy really in in the passing game than mm-hmm. he is as an actual threat in the in the you know intermediate and vertical passing game um you know bateman seems to be the kind of go-to wide receiver now he's more of that short intermediate pass catcher we we did see marquise brown i think what was it the green Bay game where he caught 10 passes for like 40 yards um and 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 that was open all game and i guess to a certain extent you take that at some point it's an extension of the running game if you're taking the short passes um, especially if the running game isn't effective um but i think the talent that the ravens have a wide receiver is where you should be trying to you know take advantage of of what defense give you because that's honestly was where they have the most talent on their team right now and I'm off on the side of the ball and we're just not seeing them used in a way that really exploits them
0: that, that's exactly right I mean maybe tight end would be better they are using the tight end obviously but Mar- uh, Marquise Brown now the last seven games has averaged 4.3 yards per target that is sub AJ Green last year I mean that's that is just so horrendously bad and it's it's really not primarily his fault. It's primarily a problem with um, the Ravens not being able to run with the current offensive line and the current running backs. Uh, Their current personnel are not allowing them to stress defenses into worrying about the run and stretch the field or roll out effectively or do any of the things that Lamar can do when he's there. Obviously, some of those games were with Lamar. And and it was it was done. But the last four games have really been other quarterbacks, and uh, and they have four passes from Laura in the first one of those four, uh, and he's been Brown's been equivalently terrible during that time. I believe it's 4.0 in those four games. So, uh, it just I, they've got to they've got to make it right for Marquise Brown. If there's ever a, a player who could get upset about his usage right now, it might be Brown. I mean, obviously he's been used very well with Jackson. He's going to probably hang out with Jackson and try and get it done. I hope somebody other than his cousin has a talk with him about the proper comportment with your team when you're really really dissatisfied with your role. Uh, you know, it, it's it I hope he and Lamar can, can, can work it out before next season.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd like to definitely hope that there's a connection there that that's meaningful between Lamar and, and Hollywood. Um, and frankly the way that the season started off with, with Marquise where he was a dynamite you know downfield threat for the, mm-hmm. for this ravens offense um it's it's something that is gonna still be there you know he has this speed he has that connection with, yeah. with Lamar jackson uh, there's no reason why in in n f l offense you can't utilize that speed um the the offensive line is probably the only concern, but you can still you know scheme up you know shot plays you can do max protect you can you can find him. Um, it just has to be, you know, well orchestrated by, by the offensive coordinator. Um, so, you know, we'll see it and, and maybe that's part of the decision-making with, with the Ravens and the off season, what, what they do at offensive coordinator? Because you have to look at their personnel and decide, are we best using them? And, and how does that, what does that mean from an offensive identity and an offensive play calling perspective?
0: Okay, see, the argument that you're alluding to is the one for an offensive coordinator change that I could actually listen to. But the notion that Roman is doing a really lousy job with the talent he's got, um I don't I don't really agree with it. I think he's just you know, he's been dealt a, a handful of 3s and 4s on offense. I don't know how he expects to, you know, get a royal flush out of what he's got. And you know, it's. It,
2: it... I I agree. I mean, 100%. I mean, losing your Three run, top three running backs before the season starts, losing mm-hmm. Stanley. Um, you, you don't have Boyle for much of this season. Like, he's absolutely been dealt. I mean, and then Lamar Jackson, obviously, going out. Like, all of these things mm-hmm. are, are affecting what he can do. And I, I think he's, in a lot of ways, done a good job of adapting to his personnel. My biggest quibble has been the, the heavy packages, which I think are condensing the defense. And you have you know, eight or nine guys in the box and they don't have the personnel to effectively push those guys around and actually get explosive runs out of it. So you're really just telegraphing what you're doing and it's, it's not working. They've been better running out of light boxes, frankly. And I feel like that's something that we saw even in this game where they had some really successful drives where they were picking up yards in the passing game and in the running game out of 11 personnel 12 personnel DeVonta freeman's two biggest runs in this game were both out of 11 personnel there's a draw play where he got 12 yards and then there's a off tackle run 34. where he got like 33 34 yards they were both out of 11 like you don't have to have you know two tight ends and a fullback in order to get explosive running plays and i don't think that they've kind of realize that in their offense. And that's part of the reason why we're getting some of these, you know, first down runs for two yards that we see over and over again.
0: Right. I mean, it's, it, I agree with you, but, you know, if you're if you're going to run the ball at all on first down, and, you, and we'd agree you have to run the ball some yes. on first down, even when it doesn't work out, even out of 11, either, however you're going to do it. Okay. You got to run the ball some on first down. And this team is just not really built to run the ball, straight ahead, off the edge, whatever they want to do. They're, they're not good at it. I mean, they have, they have a bad running back. They have an offensive line that's not doing the job right now. Uh, you know, they've, they, their tight ends are extremely limited in snap count. Uh, Boyle and Tomlinson, I think in Boyle's case, it's a matter of the injury still probably lingering. And, and he's not up to full because I think they would have him in for more snaps if, if, if he was. Uh, Tomlinson, in his case, he's pretty been a pretty good blocker this year. Um, they've, they've cut his usage a little bit now that they have all three of their, their big men back, so to speak. Um, and, you know, they're not playing as much of that. Whether you call it twenty-two or thirteen, depending on where Ricard lines up, or you just, just you know call it thirteen, or you call it call it whatever you will, with a three-heavy plus the offensive line package, um, they're they're certainly not getting the most out of that package, as you alluded to earlier.
2: And part of and part of that is, I think uh, Boyle uh, not being the player that he was before the injury. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to twenty nineteen, he was a viable pass catcher. Um, in the Ravens' offense, you know, he—I mean—he wasn't as explosive as a player as Mark Andrews was, but he's someone who could count on in the passing game. He could pick up, you know, five, six, ten yards, move the chains for you. Um, they don't have that second tight end this year. Tomlinson, I think, caught one ball, maybe, maybe, maybe two. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been targeted at all. Ricard has been out there a lot. He's running routes and not getting targeted. I think he might only get targeted as like a checkdown option. Um, it's it's really I think you know a a dearth of the personnel um, and and that, and that's why I I like I said I would ab- advocate more for wide receivers on the field because I think there's more offensive potential with them out there. Um, right. That's that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Boyle's only been targeted one time in five games this year, so that that is at a Tomlinson kind of level of target percentage if if you're relating it to snaps. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about it other than he, he must still be heard and I, at this point I'm almost hoping that's the excuse for it because if he's really um, well I mean it, it, it doesn't bode well for the future if, if this is the level of player he really is right now that we've seen in the last few weeks because uh, a lot of things are just, are just not going right about the game Let's uh, let's talk about some other scheme elements. Uh, we talked a little bit about the heavy boxes, and they only played Ricard twenty eight snaps in his in his first game back. So they had been playing Ricard a lot more, in part because they didn't have Boyle, but they played a pretty light scheme, only one point five six of the heavies in this game, tight ends, fullbacks and offensive line six. No no sixth offensive lineman in this game at all. Same five guys played every all plays. I believe that might have been the first time this year that's happened. Uh, I know we only had five paragraphs to write in the offensive line article, and so it was a little easier from that perspective, but it's uh, uh, it's one of those things. They had as high as 1.96 per play three week or sorry in week six versus the the la chargers and a low of 1.22 so th- it's not like they're the lightest or the heaviest they were they were lighter with ricard out but they didn't go all the way back to super heavy with ricard back is the only point i'd make
2: yeah so i think maybe there is a little bit of a, a shift in in the idea of how to run the offense you know considering the personnel limitations and and i, I think for better or worse you know that we've Kind of seen how that both how both sides of the coin work, um, mm-hmm. I would I would like to see Lamar Jackson with more of a kind of like a eleven twelve personnel approach where and and, and it might require getting a different tight end who's you know we thought maybe Josh Oliver would be kind of that that pass catching threat but he's really not ma- amounted too much uh, this season I think he's mm-hmm. probably less than five targets as well. Um, And Tomlinson obviously isn't it. So if if Boyle's not going to be able to get back to the player he used to be, um, maybe you're looking at the draft to try and find someone to supplement that and and go in a different direction, try and get more speed on the field. Um, And you you can still block, I think, with Andrews, and you can use your wide receivers to block. um, I think you can still run effectively. But I don't know if you can be that, that heavy personnel running game um, as they're currently constructed um, now a lot can change if you adjust the personnel on the offensive line too and, and that's a big component yeah. of it
0: and and at running back. Right. I mean, the, the, two big, the two big things they've made is just they've had crap for tackles the whole year. And I, I just it's that simple. They've, they've been effectively playing with these guys who aren't NFL tackles. And a lot of teams go through this in a typical year where they have a guy for a couple games. For the Ravens, they've, they've, they've had Villanova, who's been terrible on the left side. He won't get a second year despite the Ravens' extreme need. There's, there would be no consideration of paying him $6 million in 2022. And and that's, you know, incredible, frankly, given their amount of need, that they're, they're going to certainly wave goodbye to him. McCarey, they've signed, I think, as a, you know, versatile piece, but I don't think they envision McCarey as their starting right tackle. I think it would be a big mistake if they did next year. Uh, he had a good stretch of games early on. He's been weaker lately uh, against some better pass rushers. It's interesting, Von Miller really talked him up after the game, saying, you know, I think that was a case of Von Miller trying to say, I beat a really good right tackle. When he didn't really, he took advantage of a right tackle who had some, you know, physical shortcomings that he was able to exploit pretty, pretty uh, significantly.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. But I'd also think in the Broncos game, McCari did get the better of him in, in a few instances. Although it was, yeah. it was a different type of um, pass rush approach that the Broncos were doing as opposed to what the Rams were doing as well. Um, they were doing a lot of kind of like the the mush rush kind of situation where they were they were were trying yeah. to you know bait Jackson into to you no know, trying to scramble outside the pocket. Um, the Rams were not doing that tightly. They wanted to, you know, get pressure in his face because I don't think he's as good at handling the pressure as Lamar is.
0: Yeah, it was a crowded line of scrimmage in that Denver game. McCarry did not score all that well in that game. It was a C- in the middle of a run where he had A, D, C-, a B A. So, I mean, he, it, it was one of his worst games in that good early stretch against denver so miller has a high standard for himself probably and i think you know like most athletes you compliment the other guy no matter what because it's always the correct interview course of action and hopefully you don't look at self-serving in the process although i think in this in this case it came out a little bit like that with uh with miller's comments it was a little bit over the top in terms of of what he was saying
2: yeah you know i mean anytime you can kind of blow some smoke um up you know what it can't hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah all
0: right. Um, the Ravens played 2.49 wide receivers per play. So we, you, you mentioned a migration to 11 personnel is something you'd like to see. There are certain things they're doing. They're not playing a running back every play in recent weeks. So they had, I think 11 plays in a previous week for this week um, where they didn't play any running back. And that's unusual for a game that's contested all the way through. So very unusual, empty early in the game. End of half, end of game, trying to catch up. You want to go empty? Ben Roethlisberger, 0-1, 10, you know, 01 primarily. Then I understand what, how you, you you'd end up with more wide receivers per play. But this is a case where um, they really uh, uh, didn't. Um, they, they, took, they took running backs out and they still couldn't get up to a really particularly high level of wide receivers on this. And if you compare this to the Rams, the Rams had 2.98 wide receivers per plate. They're, they're basically an exclusively an 11 personnel team. They do have a guy who's a tweener. Their, their wide receiver, Skaronic, uh is a 6'3", 224 guy. So he's more, really more like a tight end and he, he plays a heavy blocking role. The other guy who plays a heavy blocking role, by the way, I don't want to go too far astray on this, Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. Incredible blocker. I mean, every every they had a guy for the backside block on five different boot plays they ran, and he made a significant you know disadvantaging of the edge defender who was responsible for containing that rollout on every single one of those. So uh, I just thought, thought that was very interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, the Rams definitely expect a lot out of out of their wide receivers and robert woods before he got hurt was you know widely Mm -hmm. considered one of the the better uh blocking wide receivers in the nfl and you know they put i think garonic is that his name kind of back in that role a lot that that woods was used not so much as a pass catcher but in in that blocking role um you know i guess you could see the ravens in the past they've used Miles boykin kind of like that, Yes. Um, you know, Willie need to maybe a lesser extent um, where, the, where they definitely took advantage of having wide receivers that are, that are good in that area. And, and that's been a big part of, you know, how they've gotten to explosive runs in the past, but getting those blocks downfield, um, but also, you know, close to the line of scrimmage as well, that, that both, both senses it's important to have wide receivers who are willing to get in there.
0: Now you, you have two guys, obviously, who you want to get on the field and you want to get them tuned up for next year in terms of Brown, I think, and also obviously in terms of Bateman because he missed a whole lot of the season here. But boy, the run game, I would have to believe would be more effective if Miles Boykin was on the field. And I don't know that you'd lose that much in the pass game. Because I, I, they're not really utilizing the receivers in a meaningful way at this point, you know, with these five-yard plays. I mean, obviously, you have Bateman as the ex-receiver right now. You, taking him out would cost the offense something. I not. I'm not. I don't want to totally belittle this. I'm just saying, you know, there, there's a gain on the on the other side in the run game. Uh, I, I guess I'm of the point now, and this is something micro, like, looking at the offense. And I do want to do some of this with the offensive line and whatnot, so let's get to it. But, but. It's almost not really meaningful because every decision right now for the Ravens has to be about 2022, not about 2021.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the wide receiver room in particular is something that they need to evaluate. And it it is pretty tricky when you're limited with your offensive line and limited with your quarterback to see what you have in these guys. But, you know, we've seen Tylan Wallace get mixed in a little bit more at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Games per last week um, got a lot of opportunities. I think that that... Is something we'll, I expect to see in the, in the final week um, against yeah. Pittsburgh. I mean, I'm not saying Bateman. I think Bateman will probably be out there too. It might be a week that Watkins is an inactive. Maybe I mean Boyle might right. up, might be inactive too. Again, um, I don't know what to expect from Hollywood. I think he'll probably be active, but he's probably not going to be out there as much as maybe some of these younger guys. Because I think it really is important to figure out you know what you have and how are they best going to be used um, against a real you know NFL defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's 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 bad to get hurt at any game of the season, but you really don't want to be hurt in the last game in the first game of the season, obviously, because you missed the rest of the season. But also, to a lesser degree, you don't want to be hurt in the last game of the season. I'm not talking about the playoffs here. I'm talking about sending somebody off into a productive offseason where they can make advantages on make it, um, ground on their positional skills. You know what Lamar has been able to do uh, with with uh, Josh Harris. In, in the offseason, what he's been able to do in terms of, you know, being healthy physically and being able to do that has just been huge. And I, I'd love to see the, the wide receiver room either get that time with Lamar, which I think would be maybe the most valuable. But other receivers, they need to learn positional skills. I mean, they, they, there's, other, there's other players at other positions who need positional skills as well, particularly on defense, I would say. Uh, I'd love to see Oa learn to be a Sam linebacker this offseason. You know that's something they could they could simulate, I think, and do a pretty good job of. But uh, you know, if, they, if if I'm looking at this team, I'm, I'm saying I don't. Want, there are a lot of players I don't want to get hurt in this last game, such that they'd be you know they'd lose their off season for getting the playoffs, even.
2: Yeah, that I mean, it could depend on the you know the extent of the injury, but it you definitely have to consider that. I mean, that's why we're talking about Lamar Jackson probably not going to be mm-hmm. someone who's going to get yeah. any time in this game. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there any point in playing Nick Boyle? Like, I mean, you, you don't want no. him to get hurt again. Like you want him to just kind of shut it down, get him healthy as, as it can be going into the next season, because ideally you want him back to what he was when he was at his peak in 2019 and 2020 before the injury. Um, I, I mean, are there players along the offensive line like that? I mean, is-
0: Ricard falls in the same category for me. If he's really still hurt and he just came back to try and see if they can get him over, over the hump in the Rams game, I'd say you sit him. Uh, you know, if I, I don't. I don't know what his real current status is, but we know he's been through so many injury issues over the course of the last twelve months, starting with the hip surgery. I'd be concerned, yeah. and I, I think you gotta you gotta really kind of make that decision about it. Watkins, um, uh, he's done as a Raven after this next game. I don't think you see any chance that he'll be back with the Ravens receiver room as it is. So, I, you know, if if you want to play him so that somebody else doesn't get snaps, I guess I'm okay with that. But if you want to play him, uh, when you are taking snaps away from a 2022 producer and you might learn something about that guy, I think that's a mistake. You know, I think they probably should have had Prochet active above Watkins this week. It didn't really make any sense uh, what they did, but, uh, uh, but you know, they did it. And, and um, you know, Watkins is not happy with his current situation. You can see it when he's got his helmet and his hand on a sideline on just a couple of shots per game. But uh, he won't be back to the Ravens, and, and honestly, if he's not part of the future plan, then he, there, there's no reason to make him activation unless that serves some other need for your team to avoid somebody else getting out there.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, this past game, you know, there, there's a lot of consternation about Prochet being inactive after having a, a nice game in the previous mm-hmm. week. Um, and I think some of that was positional. Um, you know, Prochet's pretty much entirely a slot receiver. Um, and, you know, Watkins is more of an outside receiver, and maybe they wanted him there, especially with Boykin also not being active. They want someone who can block a little bit. Um, For for instance, on that nice uh, run from Freeman, Watkins had a key block on the outside that that kind of sprung that. Um, So, you know, he did have some value, even if he wasn't catching passes in this game. He wasn't out there very much. I think 14 snaps in total. Um, But... I, I agree with you for this next game. There's no, there's no point in having him out there at all. And, and Perche, you know, he's someone who at the very least can be a chain mover. He's someone who can find those like openings in the, in the zone. Um, and he can make use of that offensive philosophy that they seem to be using with Huntley of, you know, quick passes, awkward. you know, find, find yeah. the, find the hold in the zone. A, a lot. Of, there's a lot of, zone coverage against the Ravens and not playing much tight man coverage. They don't need to. Um, so that, that that's something I think he can excel at and, you know, at least see him in that role and see if it's something that you can, you know, provide a, a larger opportunity to moving forward in 2022.
0: Right. I mean, they, they could do some things to the Steelers that I think would be very similar to what the Steelers have done to them, which is put four yeah. receivers on the field on some plays and Prochet gives you the ability to do that. But I think if you don't have Prochet and DuVernay both active, then it's then it's difficult to get that done. You know they've got they've got other outside guys. They've got Brown. They've got um, obviously Bateman, who's going to be on the field most of the time. But but they really want to get those four uh, going. Let's let's keep going here. I want to just uh, mention this nine and four set and chip blockers at point thirty five per play, very low. Uh, I, I I just want to say any, any additional set of chip blocker they might have against the Los Angeles Rams might help you plug one more hole in the dike but that dike's still coming down pretty quickly (laughs) so uh you know it's it's not a uh a a great thing i think the ravens have kind of adapted to that reality after trying to like plug all the holes in the dike in games like that miami game where it it obviously didn't work with with a lot of extra assigned blockers
2: yeah and this game you know aaron donald's really the problem (laughs) with the rams i mean Mm -hmm. they have decent edge rushers and, and floyd and miller but it's mostly Donald. A'shaun Robinson. Yeah, it's...
0: I mean, I think they're, they're just outstanding across. Advon I, I, Miller. I mean, I, they're, I, I, every single Ravens offensive lineman was outmatched in this game. Even when they had a four-man pass rush, they got pressure every time. They got, Ravens had five out of 37 ample time and space opportunities, 14% in this game. It's the lowest I've seen. I, I can't remember a lower number ever. I know that uh, Jackson had 15% ATS in the first game of last year. And they still uh, won it anyway. And he, he had a hundred and fifty plus rating, even even doing that. But uh, but this was unbelievable. And Otley was a, a, he had a terrible situation in addition to not not playing particularly well himself.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's tough. And and I mean you you highlighted it, and we'll talk more about the offensive line I think um, in, in the, shortly here. But it's it, there's only so much you can do to help out with that. And if you're chipping, then. You're probably not having, you know, Mark Andrews downfield in a route. Um, at least he's going to be delayed in a route. And and if you if you're that's keeping right. in, you know, Ricard. I think. I mean, I think Ricard is if he's going to be on the field on a passing play, he's best utilized as a blocker. Like that. That's that's where his his most of his value is going to come from. So, at least he can be, in that role. Um, and then and then the running backs. You know, they can they can always help out a little bit too. Um, you know, one thing I thought that was interesting and something that I feel is. I, mean, I guess it's just the offensive design and what the offensive coordinator likes to do. But I feel like the Ravens, when they have a running back who's going to be open for a check down, he's always releasing to the flat. I'm watching the Rams. They release him in the middle through like one of the gaps, yeah. and then he's available over the middle. And I feel like there's more option to pick up yards after they catch in that. They, the Ravens rarely do that for the running backs, and it's something that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely would like to see variation of where the check down is because then, then it forces your inside linebacker to not cheat and look into the backfield. I, obviously, it, it delays his read on the play to do so, read to the quarterback anyway. Uh, it, it has, I You're just saying he has to make a choice between trying to read the quarterback and trying to read the running back uh, is, a, is a positive thing. So I, I agree with you entirely on that. Um, I, I think we've, we've waited too long. We've probably got to get into the offensive line. I had some other notes here, but uh, we'll have to talk about them maybe if we get to some individual player notes at the end. Offensive line had, had uh, lots of mistakes, lots of difficulty black, um, blocking the Rams front. They did not do a lot of five-man rush in this game. I think it was 9 out of 37. 28 out of 37 were four-man rushes. So that percentage is up there around 32%, which I think would be probably above average for the NFL, but it was all fives. They didn't have any sixes. They didn't have any threes. So they rushed four 28 times and five nine times. I don't have a, a statistical split for that. But the point I'm making is that the offensive line assignments were not jeopardized by the number of pass rushers or some sort of zone blitzing scheme or this or that. There wasn't a lot of complication to what the Rams did
2: yeah you know they did a few of twists and and such up front yeah. um and, and that was problematic at times i think especially with the the young guys that the ravens had with with cologne coming in unexpectedly yeah. um you know cleveland's in his what second third start now um inexperienced and against you mm-hmm. know the best player in the nfl or argue, arguably the best defensive player in the nfl is is probably not going to to do well especially against some of those design you know um, movements up front where, where they're, they're trying to confuse the offensive line
0: all right third straight start for uh for uh cleveland i had to look that up but uh yeah let's talk through the individual performances villanueva um he had a terrible game last week his second worst of the year and that's really saying something B be rebounded for a good game here primarily against leonard floyd the second highest grade overall for the year uh, a b He had seven missed blocks. Those were all losses at the line of scrimmage. So he probably played in a little bit of luck of other pressure getting there first. So he missed some blocks and other pressure was assigned before he ended up getting a negative number on the play. Or uh, Huntley might have run him out of one pressure uh, during this game, but anyway, uh, you know, a pretty good game for Villanueva, um, and and certainly the fact that Huntley got rid of the ball quickly helps all the offensive linemen. So if they're giving ground, it's a ball out quick in in my group. But I'll still give out a one to everybody for the block as long as they haven't obviously lost their block yet. Yet sometimes you see ground being given, and you know how Villanueva generally pass blocks by mirroring and giving ground, and you know if he held the ball a little longer, that probably would have been a <laughs> would have been a. Uh, uh, a pressure there.
2: Yeah, there's there one play in particular that comes to mind like that. And you you might have given him a pressure on it, but it was it was down in the red zone when uh, I think it was the second down play on the in the first red zone trip where Boyle caught the ball um, for like a two yard conversion and and Villanueva was pushed back into Huntley's lap I think within like a second and a half and. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was real quick, and I was I, and that was that might have been his worst you know rep of the of the day, or, or it was up there um, at least in pass protection. But if
0: if it was the play, the second and seven play that was one before the end of the drive, ye- is that the one you mean? Because that's a PM two, and I'm thinking that might have been to Yes,
2: yes, that was
0: shared, what... shared pressure with McCarry on that play. Yeah, so McCarry got beaten on the other side just as bad Yeah, that <laughs> Which bailed him out of half his
2: pressure. That pocket that pocket collapsed really quickly on that play. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm big, by the way, Gabe, on the cone mm-hmm. not being invaded. If the quarterback is worried about his feet, he, pass blocking has not done its job. You know so if he he has to be able to step into that throw, not be like back footing it, not be back pedaling as he throws that 's even worse um, but but if he does anything where he doesn 't transfer his weight forward normally you know you, you don 't have a normal pass, and the pass blocking has generally failed so that's that 's big in my system and, and I also have a little bit higher expectation than p f f and other services in terms of the amount of time being three versus two and a half seconds so it it works out probably to to I have maybe even a little bit of a um, draconian expectation of what the offensive line needs to do. And I, I may need to adjust that in future years, but I kind of like having a different system than others. So even if people think, Oh, you, you know, you're being too hard on the offensive lineman right now, at least it's different. It's giving you some additional piece of information that you can't get from PFF or, or other services that does this kind of pass blocking. Well,
2: if you want to know what it should look like, you know, you just go back to the 2019 season and the, and the yeah. Ravens offensive line performance <laughs> in that season. And then you see what exactly what a quarterback wants um, for a very, very good protection that year, and it's just been, it's been downhill since then. It would be nice to get back to that kind of protection.
0: Right. If you have NFL Game Pass, the games from the Oh, 09 season are out there still, and oh, 09 was not perfect in terms of what that Ravens team did. They were nine and seven. Flacco ended up losing some ball games to some bad teams, but that offensive line was probably the best the Ravens have ever had, and that Ravens team at nine and seven was one of the best nine and seven teams you'll ever see. So I, I, I think that if you look at that game, they really finally you know got their ugly, ugly duckling off in the playoffs when they destroyed the Patriots in New England with that 52 run game. Uh, where they only threw 10 passes in one thirty three fourteen. 33-14. Uh, that game, if, if you, that season, if you want to go back and see a great offensive line playing together with Grubbs, Burke, and Yonda in the middle, and Gaither on one side, who was really good at that point, and Orr on the other side, who was the best he ever was at right tackle at the beginning of his ski slope of a career, uh, you, you see a really great offensive line play together. I, I, a lot of my expectations about offensive line play evolved from that era And so, unfortunately, there's been a lot of missed expectations since in terms of the players who've come along. All right, let's go quickly. Cleveland, his first really bad game. And there's a lot of variation normally in play between game to game. So I don't get overly worried when a player gets one F. But he gave up four pressures, uh, two times half a sack. We'll talk about one of those in a second. Two-thirds of a quarterback hit. Uh, most of his stuff was Sean Robinson. He also got a fair hunk of Aaron Donald in the game. So definitely tough, tough, tough assignments for a guy like him. Uh, all four of his misses were at the line of scrim- scrimmage. Um, He's just not quick enough to deal with the interior monsters. He's powerful enough to, but they had some other things going on. And one of the things that makes Aaron Donald so freaking dangerous, obviously his speed off the snap is unstoppable in a lot of cases. And he, he, he gets you so out leveraged. By the time the offensive lineman first has a chance to make his first step, his first move, his first punch, his first whatever, that you really can't react to it pretty quickly. But that first sack really shows what Aaron Donald can do without getting to the quarterback himself. He he was taken across the pocket, all right? And uh, Zeitler blocked him, and he managed amazingly to stay with him. And he almost blocked him into Bradley Bozeman missing the beginning of next year by falling on the back of him, back of his legs. But he tripped up Boz- I sorry, uh, Cleveland on the play. Not Bradley Bozeman. Yeah, he wasn't even playing Cleveland on the play. And uh, he, he tripped up Cleveland, and, and Ashawn Robinson then got free for the sack at that point. Cleveland was giving ground on that play, which was part of the problem. But Zeitler getting, you know, allowing him Donald to take him across the pocket like that—extremely dangerous from an injury perspective. Not, obviously, not what you want uh, from where you want your pass blocking to go. Sometimes it's the it's the only answer. But I, 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 in, in the, when I see that happen, I almost feel like I'd rather the quarterback just got sacked. I, I, I do not want to see somebody blocked across the legs of each of my offensive linemen from center to left tackle uh, and, and have that risk occur uh, on that
2: play. Yeah, that's a really easy way to get, you know, your, your knee blown out or have a severe ankle sprain. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, that's not where you're expecting bodies to be. And especially when you're moving horizontally, um, it, it can get ugly. So fortunate to avoid any kind of injury in that instance, for sure. Yeah.
0: But Aaron Donald, that quickness, boy, that drives the entire line. I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, you look at Aaron Donald, and it, it, the, the, we had Aaron Donald the lesser in 2014 with Purnell McPhee. Incredible, thunderous first step. Beats double teams, gets in the middle. Two guys are at a disadvantage when you try and double instead of one. That's the, that's the only difference you create. Then you create all these great opportunities for everybody moving around him for blitzes, for everything. But um, it, the Rams don't even fully utilize what Aaron Donald gives them in terms of an opportunity to work off his rear end, whether it would you know be blitzing with T.J. Reeder which they did I think one time the whole game, and he got home for a sack, yeah. uh, you know it's it's uh, they, they don't even they don't even take advantage of him in the way, but uh, but it's it's he's a very impressive player.
2: And and Cleveland uh, versus Donald, there was that one play I think it was the third down play in, in the first red zone trip as well, the one where you know Duvernay was was wide open um, and and. Huntley got immediate pressure in his face from Donald who I don't I think Cleveland was one-on-one with him and I don't know if he even got a hand on him it was just it was Donald was past him before Cleveland could even react and and Huntley if he had you know just a half second more um, without having pressure in his face probably has an easy touchdown but it forced him to kind of adjust and throw an awkward ball um, if he had you know Lamar Jackson might have made that a touchdown, but, you know, I don't think Huntley has that off-platform throw necessarily in in his bag of tricks. Um, So, you know, in that one play, it wasn't a sack. I guess it it would have been considered a pressure, Um, but it it definitely, that's one that could be a game-changing play and and, and ended up being one.
0: Yeah, it it was a pressure as I scored it. By the way, interesting game for Cleveland because he was killed in the first half. Every single one of his negative events was in the first half. He played a clean second Mm -hmm. half. He only had two missed blocks, and all other blocks made the entire second half. I take that as a positive. I mean, they, they, the Rams had to go in halftime saying, we can beat this guy one-on-one any way we want. We, could just, we should twist through A and B on the left side. We can do whatever we want to that guy. And yet, in the second half, they did not get it done. So I, 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 didn't, I didn't take too much time looking at how the Ravens adjusted to close up the A and B gap on that side. Because Cologne, for example, he had a lot of problems mm-hmm. in the second half. Uh, so, so it wasn't—it wasn't like you know a- everything worked out for him, but it was a lot of Cologne and Zeitler, um, uh, you know, having problems together in that second half. So uh,
2: yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if they changed their like, slide protections a little bit um, to help out Cleveland, um, and, and if that made it more difficult for the Cologne and, and, and Zeitler while taking a little bit more pressure off Cleveland. So um, yeah. that could definitely have been the instance there.
0: You might have noticed that they ran a couple counter plays in this game where they're pulling left guard and left tackle to the right, okay, on these counters. And what they asked to do at least two times, and it might have been three, they asked McCarry to make, I sorry, not McCary, um, uh Cologne, to make a nearly impossible hmm. reach block on Aaron Donald. And, and every time it's like off the snap, Donald is by him. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, what chance yeah. do you have? Now, fortunately, the play was going right on each of those, but the play had to go right because there was no left anymore. <laughs> once, you, once you try that, that kind of a reach block to... to to do that i mean literally reach blocks are difficult anyway and I, I i don't really grade them much differently but i do note them and if if, if you know there's somebody's being severely disadvantaged i at least have that um but, but <laughs> the, the reach on this would have been you know a body and a half kind of trying to to, to jump out to try and catch aaron donald before he got in the backfield and uh, effectively almost asked acts, acts as an edge defender when he does that closing down the run as an unblocked Backside defender, and and you know he's a defensive tackle. And he maybe even a three tech on the, uh, probably a one tech on the on the wrong side. So uh, anyway, funny to watch uh, if if it weren't the Ravens. <laughs> Uh, Cologne, a lot of difficulty with Donald and Robinson as well. Everybody did uh, the stunting on both the A gaps was was effective. Uh, they did some B gap stunting too. I'm not I'm not blaming it all on Cologne here, but they definitely saw that as a potential weakness. I think they didn't have any more knowledge, I don't think, than the Ravens did, or maybe not much more anyway. That Cologne was going to be the starter, so they probably had to come up with their bag of tricks. Um, you know, at, at the earliest when they saw him practicing with the first team in practice that would have been the earliest kind of indication they would have had of it and uh, maybe they maybe they figured it out and maybe they didn't but it's interesting that cologne's trouble really started after halftime so they may have they may have got some things i know people say it's hard to make adjustments at halftime but it just seems like they might have they might have figured some things out about cologne for
2: that second yeah half. I, I i don't know if the rams typically do that much, you know, stunts and twists um, up front. If that's a typical part of their defense, I don't. I don't watch them with enough detail to know that. Um, with the players they have, it makes sense that they they would. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they have the personality to be very effective doing that. Um, and and you, they obviously know that Cologne isn't their starter. So when they see him come out there, you know, it, it can be pretty easy to kind of, you know, put put a th- few of those into the playbook to, to try and take advantage. Um, I think with Cologne also. There was another play. I mean, I, you know, I talked before about Cleveland and the play in that first red zone issue. In, in the second red zone play on that, it was that RPO, the second down play, where they were on the sec- on the two-yard line where, where the Ravens could have scored that, that touchdown to end, to basically end the game, make it a two-star. Right. And it was Cologne who just got, who, who whiffed on his block uh, right at the line of scrimmage. Gaines, yeah, Gaines, yeah, Gaines beat him right off. Um, and, and that's, it's, it's kind of these like little... Failures to execute that really did the Ravens in when because when you have the personnel that they have and you have you know you're, you're like working on a razor's edge and you have to have everything done perfectly well in order to win with this type of roster and you and you lose on a play like that, that that's that's why you lose games like that's the difference right. is not getting that block when you need to and in a critical position in the game you,
0: you you mentioned a lot of cool stuff here, but I want to react to the last thing because greg Gaines. Um, 2 years ago when they first played McCarry played his first start replacing Skura and uh, so in the 2019 game and and in that 2019 game McCarey was guilty of holding twice on Greg Gaines Greg Gaines was also a rookie mm-hmm. that year I believe and he's about the only shorter armed player among all defensive linemen in the NFL I and mean, he's got like these legendarily short arms um, and he got he drew two holding calls but I believe he's become better at that by actually instigating those holds by kind of tugging down on the player opposite and then letting hmm. him finish the job. So he's a, he's like a natural flopper. <laughs> well anyway, in, in 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 this game, Cologne held him once. So so that, that happened again and and I said, oh, you know, this is the same kind of situation cuz Cologne very short armed carry very short arm, of course, and, and and Gaines shorter arm than anybody. And and then the and then also he just whiffs on on a block and I'm like that's that's exactly, you know, how somebody like that gets in your head. He's a, he's been a good player, by the way. Gaines has, but uh, it, it's uh, it's one of these things where you know he he represents the worst player, probably from a pass rush perspective, that the Rams can put out there among six or seven alternatives they have to put on the defensive line. If you can't stop him, who can you stop?
2: Yeah, you know that's a <laughs> that's a tricky question. It's it's really I don't know. It's it, it's tough when. When you're the backup to a backup, um, well, I guess not necessarily a backup to a backup in this place, but you know, Cologne had no practice time this this week, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't know that he was going to be playing until what an hour and a half, probably before the game started. Um, I mean, you should you know what the what your your responsibilities are, but you're probably not in that mindset. And and maybe. NFL player, you say you, you have to always be available. You have to always be ready, but it, you're going against literally the the toughest competition you, you'll probably ever face yeah. in your life. And and maybe you have your face up with the guy who's like the weakest guy on the other side, and you think maybe I can get away with not being at my my best in this one. And and then you and you miss your block. And it's just I don't know. It it's a it's a tough thing. It's it's a every single snap is a, is a slog against a team like this. Um, and it's the Ravens. Are, I've just been in these situations all season where they have guys trying to fill in where they are in position that they're not cut out to be in. And and you like to see Cologne out there maybe in like an extra lineman kind of situation or if he's been practicing and filling in for a couple of weeks and he has some experience going with him. But I, I, I didn't expect much out of him in this one. And, and I don't think we got much.
0: Yeah, that's I, I think that's accurate. But but let me just say one thing about Cologne's situation. It's not as bad as it could have been, and and the reason it's not as bad as it could have been is because the Rams rush four very consistently. So it's not like they showed anything different. When when the other teams rushing four, by the way. Each tackle gets a, gets a single gets a single straight up block they 're both islanded okay now you can change that. you can slide protection one way, you can make a tackle on guard, but that's that's not something you would typically do it 's something you do by design to roll out the quarterback or whatever but it, it, typically it's three to make two on the inside. That center can go to either block, and he 's rarely disadvantaged in that circumstance so he's a set of circumstances. Weren't anything to pity him for, you know. Sure, he had to double in Aaron Donald with with Zeigler a lot, or he had to double him with Cleveland some. And Aaron Donald is a very dangerous player, but but you know, it, aside from the the stunt handoffs, his own set of responsibilities is actually easier than it would be normally in in a game where the other team might rush five more often, or or might show a lot of, or might have a lot of off ball blitzes that they bring.
2: Yeah, that's a good point with the center. Generally, the pass rush responsibilities are are less. They're helping out in most plays unless it's a mm-hmm. blitz pickup situation. And like you said, they didn't really blitz very often um in the, in this game at all. So in that sense, he he might have if he was going against a team like, you know, the Dolphins, for instance, that could that could have been a nightmare situation um mm-hmm. with, with having to pick up, you know, and, and identify where the blitzers are coming from um and which which guy to pick up. So in in this instance, I think it was just a level of competition that that's a struggle uh, especially in in the run yeah. run game I would say um but it's it's definitely and, and and that play I was talking about was was a run block where he, where he failed um he was heads up over the the no tackles heads up over him so um that's you know it it's I don't I don't know is he is he someone that the the Ravens are going to keep around you know, I, I don't know. it's a, it's a question about him
0: so he'll be a third year player next year he's cheap still I imagine he he is on that bubble, but you know the 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 basic rule of thumb is this: if you ever want to figure out who's going to be cut on a team at the end of uh, at the end of camp, look at the fourth year players yeah. to start with. Those guys are on the bubble at the start of camp, and then look at the third year players, and those guys the team is really considering what option value they still have. And once you're out of option value in the NFL, I mean you got to be really good to to get a contract and and be somebody that a team wants to keep around, or you're a temporary transitional fill in. Um, you know, who who doesn't stay around very long.
2: Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation with the Ravens, with with Bozeman coming into a contract, or in a contract year, and and not knowing what his status will be moving forward. And and there's a lot of question about that position in my head moving forward.
0: Where where would you, would you make a really serious play for Bozeman, or would you give him a support offer to make sure he gets a good deal outside the organization?
2: It depends on what, the going rate is for a center of a business caliber. I mean, I, I, if it's $10 million a year, I'm okay with that. I think much more than that. And it's, it's kind of outside of what I'm comfortable with.
0: Okay. I, I, if he got Ryan Jensen money and that's basically what you're talking about, I think I, I think I basically have to say goodbye. Um, and that's, that's a, it's a sad thing, but, uh, cause he's been good. And I think, you know, he brings some stability, particularly with playing with Zeitler to this line that I think is very positive, but, uh, but I think at that price, I'd have to say goodbye, and and that may there may not be a cheaper price than that. I, I you know, there's no reason why if the Ravens offer him eight and a half million for four years and a pretty decent guarantee structure that he's incented to take that. Uh, you know, if if another team's offering ten. So,
2: yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how much he likes Baltimore, the community, the team. Um, a few million dollars is is a lot of money. I mean, it's easy to scoff at that, but mm-hmm. it's it does matter. Um and and I don't know, but if, if is Makari someone you would feel comfortable with being a starter? I mean, he was pretty solid for a year there filling in for Skura or half a season, but he's had issues too at center. So I'm not I'm not I
0: I think he'd he'd be at his best there. I think you'd you'd get the best out of Makari um at center. His uh you know, obviously length issues are less of a problem there. He'd have uh, and he's a good technical player. I think he's improved in that case, but he does put you again in the position where you—no, you, actually, he's signed now. So yes. they, they, that problem is solved. So it, it may be a case of they really need to try and figure out his role, and, and this may even be an indication they've had preliminary talks with Bozeman and don't believe mm-hmm. they can resign him. So it's it's definitely a possibility. And I could see, I could definitely see a situation where McCary is the starter and TCC is the backup. Uh, that does put you in a in a. Bind in terms of McCary's versatility because just like with Phillips this year, with and the the perceived versatility he had to play tackle when he started the season at left guard and then got hurt. It, you know, if you put him at risk at another position and then he gets hurt, you you know you lose the you lose the value.
2: Good point about that.
0: All right, real quick, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Zeitler, we already talked about one of his problems with a half a sack. He gave up another quarter sack later in the game, B-plus still. Uh, he got a big adjustment for facing Donald the most during this game, um, but uh, his game was, was far from perfect. It was a nice step back from last week's game there. McCarry. I'll just talk very briefly, uh, very difficult game from Von Miller. Kind of talked him up in a little ways. He gave up four pressures, one and a half sacks, um, mostly to Miller as his assignment. Um, they're all in the offensive line article. If you want to take a look at that, and you want to go back and look at the film and whatnot, uh, D after adjustment for him. So he, he wasn't in the F range, but uh, but it wasn't a good game for him. Uh, I guess let's let's take some time talk about other skill position players. Uh, you're the guest, please. Who would you like to talk about?
2: You know, I'll start with Devonta Freeman. Um, you, he has been someone who I thought looked completely out of place when he was on the, on the football field at the beginning of the season. I feel like he's progressively improved. He looked like he, he still obviously isn't the type of running back the Ravens want, but you know, he, he ripped off a 30 yard run and, and he used, there was some, ex, some speed in the open field that he showed. He's consistently making players miss. It's not someone, someone who's taking advantage of that at all times because he just doesn't have the juice, but I appreciate what he's doing for the Ravens. Um, he's a step up from Murray. He's a step up from Tyson Williams. And I think he's given some sort of, you know, stability at the position and in a position where they were looking for answers this entire season. Right.
0: I, I would agree. I mean, I think I thought he's, he played reasonably well in this game. Um, he's been more of a hole finder than I thought he might be. So he's, he's been a little bit more like Mark Ingram and the ability to run up the middle, run off the edge, you know, right off the edge, not not really stretch the stretch the ball effectively like we've seen Tyson Williams do some. Uh, I, I you know I think he's brought something. He brought a little something for a receiver for a short stretch, and now he's just not getting anything in in terms of yardage on receptions. Let me the, the guy I want to retort with because it's it's the natural here is Tyson Williams, active for last game DNP. Active for this game, six snaps on special teams. I assume those are all on, on kickoff coverage because the Ravens happen to kick off six times in this game. Uh, I don't think he plays on any other group. He might play on the punt unit, but, uh, but I don't think he does. Um, it's, it's surprising to me that whatever is going on is still going on. You've got a guy out there with real physical gifts who may or may not have his head up his rear end in any number of ways that we can't see. In practice, it's pissing off Harbaugh. Uh, It could be his work ethic. It could be his study habits. It could be, you know, the way he holds the football is funny and fumble. And and he's fumbled in practice maybe that we haven't seen. It could be a lot of things. But at this point, I I don't know what they have to lose by trying him as opposed to Latavius Murray. Obviously, the game doesn't matter. Uh, Why is this not the week that we see something from him?
2: You mean week 18? Next, yeah, yeah I, I mean, th- th- he definitely should be featured, I think, because you, you hold on to him all season for a reason, right? I mean, if you're not going to play him, um, you you obviously think there is some potential there. That's why you have him on the roster. Right. Um, so I think that you may as well use him in, in this week. Um, put him out there. Let him carry the ball 15, 20 times and see what you get from him. Obviously, he has the most explosive traits of, of any running back on the, on the team. Um, yeah. Whether or not he can find the right hole, you know that's a different question. Whether or not he can pass protect is a different question. Um, those things are important, and they're important for winning. But when you're in a, a game, it doesn't matter if you if you win. Then I think you have to see what you get out of him.
0: Over/under is carries for this week. Under five. Uh, you're, you're okay. Okay. I mean, you don't get to, you don't. You, you get to set I under. Five. <laughs> no, no, under five. No. <laughs> okay. So five, you let me bet either way at 11 to make 10 on, on five carries. So if I want to bet a hundred dollars or 110 to make a hundred on, on, uh, him getting over f- under five carries, you'd let me yeah. do that. Or would you really say it's three and a half? <laughs> Just I, I don't want to bully you too much here. I just want, I just want to make sure you're 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 setting your line. No, the I, I I don't but think really, he's right? actually
2: going to get much play, that's, and that's why I say yeah. I, I say maybe five. I, I think four and a half, five carries. Yeah, that's that's what I said at.
0: Okay, fair enough. Well, no no action, but uh, but I I do appreciate the opportunity to to wager with your casino. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you. You have a friend like Jordan who forces you into these kind of positions, don't you? Occasionally, does he, does he,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's, um, you know, it, I, I just want one more thing about Tyson Williams. I think Harbaugh, I think he's the true definition of Harbaugh doghouse this, this season. I think it was a Cincinnati game. Yeah. I think it was a game where he, he was laughing about a penalty and then he stepped out of bounds on a fourth down play where he could have tried to get upfield and, and keep the game going. Mm. Um, I think that was a Cincinnati game. I'm pretty sure that's which which game it was. I think that left a bad taste in in coach's mouth. Um, And I think that's the reason why he has been hard on him. And there hasn't really been any opportunity for him on on the field since then.
0: Right. I mean, I I don't know his total number of touches, but he had 18 touches. i sorry, he had 18 snaps in the backfield. 18 snaps as a running back with zero touches in one game. That is very difficult to do, by the way, very, very difficult to do. And the Ravens have gone this whole year without an outside threat. Yeah, you know, I, I, Devonta Threeman is, is just not a guy to threaten the edge. The, the only snap they had an outside threat this whole year, other than the, than the Williams snaps, has been one they gave to Duvernay. And you know, it's it's just it, you you need to have. That's part of the Roman offense is you can be you can threaten outside, threaten the other side with speed, and threaten right up the middle. And Lamar will figure it out and get you the the best read of those three. I mean. It, Without that, you, you don't have the Ravens offense that we're, that we're used to, even with the offensive line in complete disrepair. So anyway, it, it, I, I, normally I'm not a big believer that running back injuries matter all that much. But this is just a, con, this is a perfect storm of crappy circumstances in 2021 with the COVID year in college delaying a lot of early outs for the NFL. And that meant that a lot of the small school running backs didn't even play in 2020 that the Ravens would have identified with their scouting process weren't on their radar as guys they could filch from some other team's practice squad or from the free agency pool in general. So it's just it, it was a terrible confluence of circumstances here that just led to a, a year where they couldn't effectively replace running backs uh, on their roster. And they had to go with all these old guys who really didn't bring anything to the table.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think they really thought they had something in Williams, too, Um, especially after the preseason where he was, you know, ripping off, you know, 15, 20 yard runs, running through tackles, um, looking explosive. And then I, I don't know what happened after preseason ended and the season began, if it was things that happened in the game, if it was things that happened in practice, if it was a if it was a mood, if it was an attitude. Um, it, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly where it happened. I, th- I mean, I think if you look at the film, you'll see some issues. Um, but for a rookie, or not maybe not rookie, second-year player who's never really played before, there's reasons why that happens. You know, he's not an experienced player in the NFL. You have to give him chances to make mistakes in order to, to get better. And they never allowed that in this season, I don't, I don't think. And And it's interesting because they don't they didn't have better options but they still didn't allow him on the field in a consistent way so it it was just a really interesting and strange dynamic with with him um i don't really have any explanation for it
0: right yeah that's uh uh, it's it's been strange I, I i'm sorry we're holding it up on players and i love talking football with you but we're over over an hour and 5 here uh take us through to the next player you'd like to talk about
2: i'll talk about mark andrews i mean he set the ravens recording or receiving record this game he has a decent chance of breaking their catch record next week i think it's 104 or 10 something i want to say derek mason holds that record um it's, it's approachable um he he can also make the tight end all-time receiving yard and reception um records if if he has a big game which he has in the, in recent weeks. So it's possible. I don't know how much the Ravens play him in a game that doesn't matter. He's someone you obviously can't afford to get hurt. Um but he he's just been such an a, a good player. He's I think the Ravens' probably best player this year um <laughs> by a good margin. Um I I don't know um, where they would be without him, frankly. He's, you know, come down with so many clutch catches for them. He's made so many impressive blocks. He's he's just been such a good player for them. And um, it's it's been fun to watch him in this season where everything else seems to have gone wrong. He's he's stood out. He's like this beacon of, of hope and light for what the Ravens offense could be. Um, and I just want to have appreciation for, for what he's done.
0: Yeah, I mean I think all all very good points. And and what I've noticed from Andrews more than anything this year is particularly with regard to the last two years, he's taken a big step forward in catch percentage. That, you know, he's at 65.3, 65.9, he said sixty five point three, sixty-five point nine, he wasn't at eight as a rookie. This year seventy one point seven percent. That's getting a lot of balls that aren't really thrown that well from the backup quarterbacks. You know, it's getting some some more difficult to catch balls, certainly on aggregate, I believe, and he's still getting a higher catch percentage. That's really made all the difference in improving his yards per target number up to 9.2 this season. He's still been throwing him some short balls. He's he's still the go-to option when they're third and two and they want a three-yard catch. They still have that flat route they throw to him a lot that reduces his yards per target. But, uh, but he's done a great job of being the guy these last four weeks who is catching everything thrown to him, and most of those balls are pretty large. And he's the only guy getting any kind of decent yards per target during that period.
2: Yeah. And and he's done so much after the catch too. He's fought through, through, um, tackles to get extra yardage, sometimes to pick up a tough, you know, first down, like he's just been, he's been everything that you would want a player to kind of ascend to. And I hope that this isn't his pinnacle. I hope that he can continue to kind of reach these heights in, in coming years. He's not an older player. I think he's 25 or 26 like he's he's not someone who's like getting up there in, in years he has a lot of, of good years in front of him you know locking him up to this four-year contract extension seems like you know arguably the best move that eric has done as a gm so far
0: yeah i mean it's it's so so far so good obviously the the humphrey and the stanley deals both had injuries that occurred shortly after but uh he'll be 27 on september yeah. 6th so uh uh, he'll be 27 to start next year, but 26, 120 days right now. All right. Um, who do I want to talk about? I want to bring up, we talked about Brown. We talked about Brochet. Um, Bateman's underutilization. I think we've hit on, I think we've really hit on everybody I need to talk. And so you, you, one more option, if you, there's anybody else you want to talk about before we move on to the mailbag for a quick question.
2: I just wanted to say real quick about Patrick Ricard. I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. Um mm-hmm. They're they're giving him paying him a decent amount of money. He's been on the field a lot this year. He's been asked to do a ton of different things, playing tight end, basically blocking in line, blocking as a fullback, halfback, H back, whatever you want to call it. Um, he has a lot of value in, in short yardage plays, but I think he was been asked to do more than what he he's comfortable with. in, in this game, you know, he might not have been completely healthy. Um, but I I just. I'm not sure if if the Ravens can afford to bring him back on the kind of contract that he's currently on, Um, given, you know, the amount of cap room that they have. um, It's not going to be a huge amount. And the fact that you can get a fullback to do, I think, a decent job on a pretty low price tag. And we've seen that in the past with being able to find someone like Ricard as an undrafted player. I think you can do that in, in today's NFL where people don't frankly use their fullback very much.
0: Right. And and that's it's one of the reasons why Ricard's market is limited is just because, hey, teams have their fullback often already. Uh, the, the Ravens, they may not have to really pay him a lot of money. He's a free agent right now. It, it could be a one year deal. It could be a two year deal that he comes back on. I wouldn't anticipate that they're going to they're going to tie up you know a long contract with Patrick Ricard. I mean, I, 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 if I had to guess, I'd say he probably signs a two year deal with the Ravens. Uh, coming here, something like six to seven million uh, for for the next two years. You'd be happy. I with think that?
2: that's more than I'd want to pay for a fullback. But okay. I mean, they, they've they've paid him about that amount over the past three seasons, I think. Um, and that's correct. He's been. Yeah. I think he's been solid. I just don't think you need to pay that position that much, um, especially when you have a lot of money tied up in tight end already. Um, I, I think you can afford to to find someone um, who can come in on a cheaper deal. And you have three or four years of someone at like a rookie contract.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think if they if they went under that, I think there's another team that says, you know what, if it's if it's six million for two years is what we'll pay. We'll make it nine million for three and and we'll commit to this fullback instead of the guy we have that we're not really all that happy with. He maybe he knows our system, whoever that may be. Um, but he, but he doesn't. He's not Patrick Ricard in terms of what he can bring to our offense. So I mean, Kyle Juszczyk got, got peeled away just like that, and the Forty and the ers have never looked back. Ovi Mahaley got taken out of the Ravens system, and obviously, you know, had an All Pro year and uh, sorry, a Pro Bowl year in Atlanta. Um, so I think they've, they've, they've been, you know, the, the Ravens have been kind of a fullback factory for the rest of the league. <laughs> ben Mason was a Ravens draft pick. <laughs> and it was
2: maybe they fun. can sign Ben Mason oh, yeah, back. Still you be never bitter. know.
0: Yeah, that, you know, That's not out of the range of possibility. If he's if he was really good, I think they do it. I just don't. I don't. I don't think there's anything that. I think he's he's in the pool of candidates. I don't think he's the best candidate. And the fact that he's already played a year in the league now, because I believe he was active for some games, means that he, he he's behind other guys who are just coming that's out true. of school right now. All right. I got one question in the mailbag I really wanted to get to this and I think this is a very thought provoking question, so you're kind of the perfect guy to have on for this game. Um, it's from Gooba the Man. Uh, I, it's at Gooba something. I, I'm sorry, I can't see the rest of it right here. But it says, Hey, Ken, I have a question I really wanted to get your thoughts on. In past podcasts, you've talked about Lamar's ability to read an opponent's leverage, and you've compared him to the likes of Barry, Barry Sanders and Gail Sayers in those team, in terms. My question is whether you think that ability extends to his position as quarterback, and more specifically, his skills as a passer. What do you think? So I I think what he's saying is, you know, should he be able to read the leverage of opposing defensive backs or perhaps his own receivers in order to use that in the passing game, similar to what he does so automatically, it seems like at this point during the run game?
2: I think it's a completely different skill set. And and I think it's something that probably comes more with experience passing the ball and understanding how defensive back cover in different schemes. Um, because when you're in a tight box, in a tight situation, you can actually see like, the, what angles players are coming at and what angle you have. You know your own body and you know your own yes. ability a little bit better than what somebody out 20 yards down the field can do. Um, and there's so many different... I mean, you can read coverage and, re- and read leverage to a certain extent and know you can place the ball on the outside corner, outside shoulder, for instance. Um, certain routes that's available to you Somewhere else, it's not going to be. And it, it really depends on, on what coverages you're looking at, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think I associate reading leverage from defensive backs and receivers more with some older quarterbacks in the league. Manning, as his skills even really declined, was able to maintain a high level of quarterback play. And I think this is probably true of Brady as well, although I haven't watched him as much, uh, you know, playing since he's been playing with Tampa Bay. That he's even been able to maintain his skills – By reading leverage well, despite the fact that he doesn't have the same kind of velocity he used to have, and he doesn't do a lot of things as a quarterback the same way, and he's completely immobile, um, he can still use that leverage reading. I think that Lamar has a lot of forced leverage reading, which is, is kind of it's like learning to juggle almost in terms of his own ability, that he has to be very much, in, I think you really said this, um, in touch with what his own body can do to, to, to doing that. By the way, I, I, this is an interesting experiment for people who are my age. I'm, I'm 58 now, and I used to be able to juggle and not drop a ball for a minute and a half, two minutes. You know, and, and, and it's nothing special. A lot of people can juggle and do this. I'm 58, I just tried again. It's been probably 10 years since I've done it. I can't juggle anymore. <laughs> And and I literally I tried I've tried about ten times fifteen times to try and get one going in and, and see if I could keep going. It's like I, I no longer have that skill, and and I I, you know, I wonder if that kind of erosion of really understanding your, your you know your own abilities of things is is uh, I mean we all know we're losing things to age. It's not it shouldn't surprise anybody. And this is not an important thing. I'm not upset about it. But but it's still it's it's surprising to me. That that I've lost like something I would consider so basic in terms of a, a relative hand-eye coordination skill.
2: Yeah, no, I mean that's just. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say this in a, in a bad way, but your brain does cognitively decline over the years. It, it, sure. The synapses they start firing as well as they used to, um, and something that's you know requires so much like hand-eye coordination, like juggling, especially if it's not practiced. I think that, you, that can be that can be lost for sure
0: all right uh always a pleasure to have you on the show gabe so great talking football and everything else about neuroscience with you (laughs) (laughs) appreciate you're the perfect guy to have on for that question so uh uh tell folks where they can find your
2: work. yeah so um you can follow me on twitter um i'm at gabe fergie um i tweet along through most games unless i'm in a really bad mood Tweet after games, after looking at the film, um, looking at statistics, looking at personnel usage. Um, Those are things that I really like to talk about. Um, And then you can also listen to the podcast that I have with uh, my friend Jordan um, on Film Study Baltimore, um, where we talk about the game. We break down, you know, some of the important plays, some of the things I was just talking about, like personnel choices, um, uh, play calls, situational play calling, all these things that kind of, influence the outcome and we really like to deep dive into into how things are set up in terms of sequencing of plays and and scheme and what we've seen in previous weeks and you know kind of expanding on that kind of thing so um the podcast should be out uh, i think tomorrow um and then um We'll probably, you know, do one more to wrap the season, and then during the off season, we'll kind of evaluate, you know, where, where we're at with that. But it, it's 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 been good, you know, talking football um, this so far this season, and we're looking forward to, you know, figuring out how we can continue that conversation going.
0: All right, always a pleasure to to, to have you on. Of course, other folks that I'm looking for two different things this off season. The first is if you want to get a 25 years pod done by all means toss me a dm we'll still get you done uh even though we're pretty much filled with content to the end of the season uh we we'd be happy to do a few extra shows of that type these have been popular people have wanted to do them people have wanted to listen to them that's a good thing uh contact me with a a short dm and twitter uh narrow topic that we can go deep in for 25 minutes The other thing is, if you're an analyst out there and you'd like to do a show with me during the offseason on one topic or even a series of shows, I'm happy to set that up with you, Uh, particularly if it's a a set of closely related topics. And I I won't be able to do everybody's idea, particularly if there's a lot of overlap, but I want to do as many as possible and have as much of an open mic as I can about this. So hit me up with your ideas, guys. I'd love to hear them, and I'd love to have you on the show and talk football with you. Uh, Gabe, thanks again for coming on.
2: Ken, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on your podcast.
0: And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.